Hey folks, what are we talking about today? Bisexuality. What is it? What it isn't? And I've got an interview a little bit later with another nerd to kind of go deeper. Sex talk, Derek Miley, cause sexuality is tough. And okay, sexist isn't good enough, no. Sex talk with Derek Miley. So the first myth I want to tackle about bisexuality is that people who are bisexual are more likely to cheat. No, <laughs> this is not the case. Really, we don't have any evidence that suggests any specific identity, whether it's somebody is more or less likely to cheat. Is This probably comes from some serious, mm, yeah, I'm just gonna, you know, spill the tea. <laughs> some serious fear we have about uh, a specific identity like bisexuality. It, they just don't necessarily go together. Again, it comes back to that fear, that insecurity. Why don't you just choose? <laughs> or why do you have to be so greedy? The, it's kind of interesting that culturally, at least here in the United States, that we pair those things together, that because you have a varied interest in a presentation into the world, that that makes you greedy. Somebody's got to show me that flowchart because I don't get it. <laughs> so I, I, I also want to be specific here. That myth isn't, isn't relegated to only like cis heterosexual relationships. It's all across the LGBTQIA plus community. This myth specifically where bi people who identify as bisexual will get a lot of shade, for lack of a better way to put it, that they they can't just pick a team. And and I, I think that this actually comes, um, uh, it's probably not a surprise that we, we have these cultural beliefs. This is where um, we get terms like by erasure, so that we will overlook people or identities that we are the most uncomfortable with because of our own discomfort, not for any uh, real evidence to support any of those kinds of claims. Yes. So I, I think it was important to kind of cover some of those the, the big myths before me and our upcoming guest, Dr. Lindsay Brooks, get into the nuances that uh, exist as you start to uncover your own identity and who you are and how you exist in the world. But the very basic answer to the question is, what, what is bisexuality? It is when you are attracted to essentially two types of gender presentations in the world. That's where we get the word bi from. Now, do we have more historical definitions of that? Yeah, we do. But as we get to know ourselves culturally through time, this is how we're understanding bisexuality today in its current form. Now, we'll go in deep in another video about some of the other identities like pansexuality because oftentimes bisexuality and pansexuality will get conflated together when in reality they are, there are some different elements to each of them. So let's move on to the interview with Dr. Lindsay Brooks, certified sex therapist and educator to give us some real nerdy nuances about being a shy bisexual kid 
and what it meant for her to create her sexual empowerment school. See you on the other side. Y'all know I like to bring fellow nerds on this show. Please welcome Dr. Lindsay Brooks, certified sex therapist and educator. Lindsay created the sexual empowerment school, which we will be getting into. Don't. You have to listen to the end. Just saying. She has been a therapist since 2005, loves to help vulva-having people learn about their sexuality and pursue pleasure with freedom from shame. Girl, we we're just like kindred spirits and we're going to get into <laughs> we're going to get into how and why. Awesome. <laughs> Thanks for being here. So glad that you're here. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to get sex nerdy. <laughs> so, um the direction of this episode kind of came to fruition as, you know, I'd kind of been looking at what you've been up to and and the program that you've created. So I promise all of you listening, like this is uh, not just going to be about bisexuals, but we're going to talk a lot about bisexuality. <laughs> One of my favorites. <laughs> so you talked about being a shy bisexual kid from a conservative area. So talk to me a little bit about that experience and your journey to really starting to understand your own identity. Yeah, absolutely. I find um, the experience around bisexuality has changed a lot in like the last 30 years. So my story feels very different from like people who are, you know, in their teens and 20s now and coming into that identity. Um, but for me in, you know, the 90s in uh, a conservative area on the East Coast, there was maybe like two out gay kids in my school and it was very rough for them. They were, you know, we banded together and supported each other. Um, but even with that little bit of representation, I didn't know anyone who identified as bisexual or anything like anywhere in the middle of the sexuality mm. continuum. Uh, I never heard that word spoken out loud, like mm. gay or lesbian was like whispered. Um, it was completely invisible to me. And yeah. so when I was coming into my own that was very confusing that it was mm -hmm. I was very clear I was attracted to women I was mm -hmm. like okay I know I'm not straight but I'm not sure if I'm attracted to people on the other ends of the gender continuum mm -hmm. what does that mean uh and I mean forget about gender people weren't talking about gender as like a continuum or fluid nope. any, any of that and that's not even included in the conversation then um at all and, but I can remember I had the seeds of those ideas of like, these things for me feel more fluid and on a continuum, I didn't have mm. those words at the time, but those were like the feelings and yeah. definitely didn't hear anyone talking about that or, or see that. Um, so there's a lot of confusion and questioning myself and looking for something that represented me and really not finding that, um, the first time I think I heard the word bisexual was somehow or another, I got taken to an Ani DeFranco concert along the way. Oh, Ani DeFranco. <laughs> How you have done us all such good, 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 yes. good things. <laughs> Absolutely. So that was the first out bisexual person I was aware of. Um, and hearing I feel like, uh, like generally Lilith Fair during mm -hmm. that period of time yeah. Yeah, introduced yeah. us. Like many, many of those of us who were like uh, maybe queer, questioning, bisexual, like during that time, the 80s and 90s, that would have, you and I actually have a very similar story in that like mm -hmm. you were on the East Coast in a small conservative 
town. Mm-hmm. I was in mm-hmm. the West Coast. Same story. Mm-hmm. Bisexual mm-hmm. girl who didn't really... I'd never heard anything about that, but knowing mm-hmm. that somehow I hadn't seen anything that mm-hmm. kind of matched or had ever really talked to anybody that matched in that yeah. way. Yeah. And I, I feel like Lilith Fair and Ani DeFranco and, and some of these other like really strong female musical groups kind of gave us maybe some words or at least a frame mm-hmm. of reference. Yeah, absolutely. I was very grateful for that once I discovered it. Um, I'm kidding. (laughs) I think, especially as uh, young people, and maybe this is where this is where we might hold some similarities to the the children today. Is Mm -hmm. where we get to explore those parts of our identities through music or art Mm -hmm. or creation Mm of anything. Yeah. Um, but, and and I can say like, uh, Alanis, Alanis Morissette taught me mm. a lot about like being okay to be an angry girl. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think that she was one of the, the very few that I got to see some of that expressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm trying to think of any other, like, <sighs> I don't, I, and I, I definitely didn't know about uh, their, their specific sexualities, right? Like I didn't know about like how they may identify themselves in the world. Um, I felt kind of closed off from some of that stuff. I mean, I, I don't know how small your town was. Mine very, 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 very small. So (laughs) I I think uh, saying all of that, what, what do you think are some of the biggest misconceptions of Mm. bisexuality generally? I mean, I know, I've heard some damn myths myself. Sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, well, the first big one is I think that um, bisexuals are confused. They're actually <sighs> gay and they can't just accept themselves. Pick one. <laughs> oh, if I hear that. Yes. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Which uh, I think for, for me, that feels like particularly upsetting because from my experience, it's, you know, I felt confusion because I was like, if I had had a label or had known it existed, I would have been very clear, like, oh, I am bisexual. Like, I would have known yes. that from, from a young age. But I was like, the confusion was there was no obvious <laughs> word for that, right? Yeah. Um, so once I knew what it was, I was like, oh, okay, this label feels right. And I can proudly accept it. And that's been, you know, my consistent label for, you know, 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. Um so I feel like that one in particular is personal resonance for me of like, oh, I would hate to for anyone to think I was confused, quote unquote, because it's not real or I didn't know who I was. Um, and this I, is I hear one that, that I, I, I hear from my clients a lot, especially especially the penis owning bisexual ones. Yes. I was just going to say it's even much worse for yes. men. Absolutely. This this real struggle to mm-hmm. try to <laughs> I've actually had conversations with clients about like I'm just trying to get my brain to like why can't I've like just pick one I'm like do you realize that's like the internalized phobias the various mm-hmm. like homophobias that exist like that's that's not yours yeah. like you right. wanting to kind of fantasize about various gender identities is actually mm-hmm. part 
of you. Like that's this is it. This is what bisexuality is. <laughs> right. Right. Absolutely. It's not, you don't not have confusing. to pick one. <laughs> yeah, you can embrace all of that. Absolutely. It's like there's a um there's an undercurrent with that with that conversation. I feel like it's it's um um uh without a better way to put it in my head, it's almost like we're greedy. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> Another word that's thrown around a lot. <laughs> just like, mm, mm, that ain't it. That right. is just <laughs> not it. Right. Uh, what are some of the other myths? Like maybe even some of your clients have come come up yeah. that have come to you with. Uh, I think the idea that um, bisexuals can't be monogamous, mm. um, or bisexuals will be more likely to cheat because. There you go. More than one gender. Mm-hmm. Um, well, of course, we know like there are monogamous bisexuals, there are polyamorous bisexuals. Both are real and exist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but the assumption often is, well, if you're bisexual, there's no way you could be monogamous. And yeah. a lot of people shying away from being wanting to be in relationships with bisexual people because of mm-hmm. that. And I've seen a lot of pain. Right. When in reality, it, it, that's that's more about the partner's insecurity than it is about the identity itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is, let me, let us be very clear to the listeners. There mm-hmm. is no, there's nothing out here showing us on research papers that people who have, who identify as bisexual are mm-hmm. more likely to cheat. It just doesn't, it's not happening. It's yeah. just, there's, not there's happening. no data for that. <laughs> there's nothing to support that. So let us be very clear. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, the, I feel like the, the trust piece is, is something that many of my clients have come back to me again and again with like mm-hmm. my, my partner doesn't trust me because I mm-hmm. am bisexual mm-hmm. and that is that's rough that is rough to have something part of your identity equated to behavior Mm -hmm. um and a a moral judgment exactly yeah so what what would you say to shy teenage you um what i would say to her is there is a much bigger wider world out there with Mm -hmm. lots of people with all different sexual experiences and all of them are beautiful and can be embraced and you're going to find your community. She would have been, uh, I would imagine uh, she uh, would be incredibly proud. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel very fortunate that I found along the way from growing up to college to eventually an adult and moving out to San Francisco, like in college, I found a strong queer community, Mm. but not until I got out to San Francisco, did I find a very strong bisexual specific community. And really when I found that and got to meet so many other bisexual people and get to see the diversity of the bisexual Mm -hmm. community um, and all the different ways that can be expressed. Mm -hmm. um, That's when I think I started to feel really empowered. So I would want her yeah. to know, like, it's out there. <laughs> you will mm-hmm. find it. I wonder, I think I'm hearing in there that this this created, like, some evolution for you that led to mm-hmm. the sexual empowerment school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk to me a little bit about that evolution, but then, like, the creation yeah. of the sexual empowerment school. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think, you know, 
you know, becoming the therapist along that journey as well. Mm. Professionally, you know, I, I always knew I wanted to support people around their sexual identities and feeling embracing, you know, wherever they fall in the sexual continuum. Um, but it wasn't until later in my career that I, I discovered, oh, there is sex therapy and I can support people specifically with like what's going on in the bedroom and feeling empowered with that part of themselves. Um, and that's been really cool to like branch that out as a professional piece of my life. And I think that that just so connected personally as well as like for me going from feeling like, you know, very closed up and unsupported to very, you know, open and empowered. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be able to help other people in their version of that journey, you know, where, where, however they um, identify. And I feel particularly passionate about helping vulva havers with that, just given that the world tends to, socialize them more to you know suppress sexuality to feel shame around sexuality mm-hmm. um to hide it to cover it up you know all all the things around slut shaming and all of that stuff if you are open with your sexuality <laughs> well, i hope y'all are listening because she, she's talking to you uh-huh. you've ever had these experiences so like what, totally. when somebody got into this the sexual empowerment school like what would they expect to kind of start to see like in the workshops yeah so the workshops focus on um people identify as women and vulva havers and uh, my goal for that is really to give you like pleasure-based sex education and the skills and tools that you likely didn't get uh, mm. in your traditional sex <laughs> education. Uh, oftentimes, you know, if you're lucky enough to have any sex education, it was probably focused on like contraception and not getting STIs. Uh, and that's pretty much about it we often get. And so I find the pleasure piece is particularly missing um, mm. for people who have vulvas. And so mm-hmm. educating about your vulva, about your pleasure anatomy, um, and then working on um, creating a sex positive mindset. So letting go of any sexual shame or fear you may be carrying with you. Mm-hmm. And then once we kind of build that strong foundation, then we work on communication skills. Mm-hmm. So how to then translate that into your relationships and communicating with your partner about your wants and needs. If you had to get everybody excited about one of the modules. What is the one that you're probably the most excited about teaching? Mm, that's a hard question. Cause I get so, I'm like such a nerd about, it. I get so excited. Like at the end of every week, I'm like buzzing. I can like never sleep the <laughs> afterwards. Cause I'm just like, yeah. Yeah, so excited. It's so much fun. If I had to pick though, I would say the working on a pleasure positive mindset. So mm. in that module, we work on identifying like what were, you know, the messages you got about sexuality growing up mm-hmm. um, or the absence of them. Like you said, I, that was more my experience of mm-hmm. kind of like nothing, which yes. I'm great. I'm grateful in a way I didn't have some of the more extreme kind of hurtful messages. I've heard other people experience the idea of sex positivity can feel kind of complex. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, if you would have said to me when I was 20 years old, the word mm-hmm. sex positivity, I'd have been like, mm-hmm. yeah. what, what are you talking that? about? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't mm-hmm. even, I'm just, I've just gotten to the point where I don't have to, like 20 year old Erica was trying to figure out, oh, let me deconstruct some of this evangelical Christianity first. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like the, the, yeah. that would have totally. been a leap to go to sex positivity. So, so being interested in sexuality, being interested in sex and having sex is a mm-hmm. typical, normal 
mm-hmm. experience doesn't shoot for the moon. Yeah. 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 And I really try to help each person like come up with where they're at and what is right for them. You know, a lot of people, the neutral is the better fit. Mm-hmm. Um, if people are listening to this and they're like, Ooh, I'd like to get started, but I feel a little bit nervous about starting a sex positive journey. I don't, that's, I don't know where to start or, or what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I would recommend checking out the quiz first. So sexual empowerment school.com slash quiz. There's a quiz there that will help you identify, you know, what are the things that might be blocking you from experiencing more sexual pleasure? Um, so you can get a sense of, oh, okay, maybe I need more sex education, or mm-hmm. maybe I need to work a little more on my mindset. So it'll help you identify what are the areas where maybe you're a little stuck. Um, and then we'll give you some like first step resources to start with that. Our sense of time is all kinds of screwing. <laughs> Thank you for coming on the show. Thank so you glad that me. you could be here. So glad Dr. Brooks was here. If you have any, need any of her information, everything's in the show notes, in the links and Comment below if you have more questions or if that really resonated with you, drop it below. I want to know it. I want to hear about it. Also, if you want more, if you want stuff I couldn't say, if you want all of the sexuality and spicy stuff that I can't show on YouTube or any of the social media, join me and the rest of the board of nerds on Patreon. The link is in the description. The first 500 you will get a brain taco or eggplant squish fidget. I kind of like mine. My eggplant. I got an eggplant. The Board of Nerds is going to get to participate in some of the content creation too. It's where we're going to talk. It's where you're going to have more access to me. So join us. Board of Nerds. Link in the description. Also, if you liked this, if you don't want to miss any of it, subscribe, hit that notification bell. I will see you all next Thursday.